That's what we want right there. Be strong, okay? So we're looking forward to it, and we appreciate uh, all of our guys who work on uh, sound and video. It's, it's a tough game, and we appreciate them. And uh, Nathan is, is starting uh, on that side of the board, and he's doing great. We're proud of him. Uh, be praying for Dawson, uh, who's been doing that, that for years for us. Uh, he's headed off tonight to Florida for college. And so he's flying out tonight. Be praying for him, and thank you for supporting him. And also thank you for all your friendship and support this week as Cody and Michaela got married, and we'll talk about that at the end. But it's good, been good to have family in town, and uh, my parents, my grandmother are here this morning, my sister Amy, who we hardly ever get to see, from Louisiana. Yeah, she's down there in gumbo land. So yeah, we, we're glad to see her. Uh, we're just thankful for... Uh, all the folks, Amy's family, a lot of people got to come in and for the wedding, and we were just so encouraged by it. Uh, if you would, pray, for, especially, there's, there's a special need that went on the prayer chain Thursday night. Uh, Dee and Daryl Deacons, their granddaughter, uh, Sarah Daniel, was in a, a horrible car accident. They life-flighted her, and she's in a coma right now. And I, I just really uh, covet your prayers for that, and be praying for Dee and Daryl and their family. We're in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to see in Be Strong our first person uh, that we want to focus on over these next four weeks. It's Gideon, and we're in Judges chapter 6, and beginning in verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abbey Ezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now you have to understand that this is the guy who's hiding. Okay? It would be like if you went up to someone who was hiding from the enemy and said, You are incredibly brave. And you actually meant it. Okay, and this is the angel of the Lord. In fact, some people think that this is an appearance of Jesus himself. The theologians call it a theophany. And it, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him. Now that's why they think that this is actually Jesus. Because it says, it doesn't say the angel looked upon him. It says the Lord looked upon him. And said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. This morning we're going to talk about be strong in the life of Gideon. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it still applies to our lives even thousands of years after this history took place, that we can go back and that this history can come alive in our hearts once again as we talk about Gideon and his story and how it intersects 
with our story this morning. I pray that you would help us in our lives to be strong. Even when we don't feel like we are strong, and even when we don't understand where the strength is going to come from, make us strong like Gideon. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Gideon was not naturally strong. Um, next week, Pastor Cole is going to talk about a guy who was naturally strong. Samson, the strongest man in the Bible. Okay? And uh, next week, uh, I'm going to be in the Dominican preaching on the mission trip. And I'm telling you that up front uh, because usually in weeks where I leave, other, some people decide, you know what? The pastor's not there. He won't notice if I'm gone. And I'm telling you, they're still keeping roll. Okay? They're going to keep track of who's here. So I want you to come. It's going to be a great week on Samson. But Gideon was not naturally strong. He was made strong by the presence of God in his life. And when Jehovah comes to him and he says, you're a mighty man of valor. You know, God was not looking at who Gideon was in Gideon's eyes. God was looking at who Gideon was through his eyes. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you like you see yourself. He sees you with the potential of God working through you. He sees what you can be if you allow God to rule and reign in your life. And so here Gideon is, and uh, he hears this news, and goodness gracious, uh, what, a, what a huge impact this would make in his life, because right now he's hiding by a winepress threshing wheat, and uh, here the angel, God himself now, has come and said, hey Gideon, you're going to lead the people to defeat Midian. And so we're going to go through his story this morning. I want to see four parts of this that are so crucial to us understanding how we can be strong in our own lives. And so let's begin uh, down later in this chapter by talking about testing resolve. Testing resolve. You know, I love the intermittent part between where we read and where we're going to read. And Gideon says, uh, listen, he says, if you really are talking to me right now, then I want you to prove that you're talking to me. Right? It's kind of one of those pinch me things. Uh, God, if you really are saying that you want me to do something, would you show me right now? And so the God, the angel of the Lord, uh, takes the cake that he put on the rock and he burns the whole thing. And the rock is burned and everything's burned. And Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and he worships God. And uh, right after he worships God, and this is the way it is a lot of times, right after we worship God, God gives us something to do. Isn't that interesting? Right when our hearts experience revival, right when we go to a, a church service or a life group or a place where we really connect with God and His truth, God gives us something to do that takes a little courage. And so here we go, verse number 25, and it came to pass the same night, this right away, the Lord said unto him, take thy father's young bullock even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, 
that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Let's begin by talking about testing resolve. There are a lot of times when God speaks to us and, and we say, God, I'm ready and I want to follow you. And God says, okay, you want to follow me? Do this. And he tests our resolve to see whether or not we're for real and if we really are going to follow him. And here Gideon is, and God's got to get him ready. And so he says, listen, here's your first task. I want, to go to, I want you to go to your father's house, and I want you to go and take that bullock that he's been getting ready to sacrifice on the altar of Baal, the false god. And I want you to take his bullock. Now, some people look at this and they say, God's asking Gideon to steal. I'm going to tell you, he's not asking Gideon to steal. You know why? Because the bullock belonged to God. And everything belongs to God. And when we try to use the things God has given us for false idols, God's going to take them away. And, and so here, Gideon's dad has become an idol worshiper. I don't think he was always an idol worshiper, but he had become an idol worshiper in his older age. And he, he had fallen prey to this false god of Baal, and he had built a, a grove of trees around the idol, and he had this place of worship where he went to meditate and sacrifice. But God says to Gideon, I want you to go take that bullock, and I want you to sacrifice him right there. And I want you to cut down the trees. And Gideon, as we're going to see in other places in his life, uh, he didn't really like to do courageous things alone. Do you like to do courageous things alone? Right? There always has to be people with you. Isn't it that way? Uh, those companions that are with us, they help us to be a little more courageous. And Gideon got his ten servants, and he said, listen, everybody grab a chainsaw, or whatever kind of saw they used. So one of those, uh, those cross-cutting saws, and they went, and they, they went, and they did some work that night. They couldn't do it during the day because they were afraid, so they went at night, and they cut down every tree in the grove, and they killed the second bullock on the altar. But God's testing his resolve. Because he knows that Gideon's about to go into a battle. And to prepare Gideon for the coming battle of the Midianites, God instructed him now to tear down his own father's false idols. Now maybe you've read this story before and you know what happens. And the whole city wakes up the next morning. And they go out. And the people begin to work, walk down to meditate. And uh, in these parts of the world, many times people will go and begin to meditate and worship at about 5 in the morning. And here they come, and they walk down the pathway, and they're all sleepy and groggy-eyed. And where there is supposed to be a, a grove of trees, there are no trees. And they smell smoke. And they say, somebody go get me a flashlight. Well, maybe they didn't have flashlights either. I get really confused with the story. But they went, and they got some type of lantern. And the, then the sun came up, and they discovered that their idol had been knocked down, that Baal had, had been taken for a loop here, and that the grove was cut down, and the second bullock was gone, and they said, we need to find out who did this, and bring whoever did this out, and we're going to kill them. Have you ever done something courageous for God? And it seemed like it got you into a bigger pinch than you were already in. And you kind of looked up to heaven and said, thanks, God. 
This happened all the time in the Bible, right? All these people of faith. You read in Hebrews 11, all these people of faith, immediately when they did what God told them to do, almost every single one of them faced another difficulty, another circumstance, something even harder than what they'd already faced. And they said, who did this? We're going to bring him out and kill him. And wouldn't you know it, the guy who stepped up to the plane and said, we're not going to kill anybody today, Gideon's dad. He says to that crowd out there, that lynch mob, if you want to plead for the false god Baal, maybe it's you who need to be put to death. This is so ironic, right? Because he's the guy who made it. It's his grove, it's his idol, it's his bullock. And yet Gideon's courage brought his dad back to faith. And it's so interesting that when we have resolved to follow God, that it causes other people around us to come back to God. It causes other people around us to begin to follow God in their own lives. And so here he is taking a testing resolve. We go a little further down, though. That episode's over, and, and uh, Gideon has blown the trumpet, and he's called everybody together. Let's go fight the Midianites. And he sends messengers all throughout these northern tribes of Israel. And now he says in verse number 36, Gideon says to God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And we find Gideon in this second part of the message asking for answers. He's asking for answers. He wants to know, God, have you really called me? Because when you told me to do the last thing I did, I almost got killed. Now, I know it turned out okay, and my dad came back to faith, and that was great, but are you really wanting me to do this? You really want me to go and lead your army? And maybe if you went to Sunday school when you were a kid, you heard this story about the fleece. And I remember I had a Sunday school teacher when I was six or seven years old that brought in a, an actual sheepskin to show us this. I just never have forgotten uh, her winding that sheepskin and wringing it out and showing us what a miracle this was. And, and Gideon says to God, God, if you're really, if you really are with me, I want the dew to be only on the fleece and nowhere else. And if you're really God, you can do that. And so God did it. Isn't that interesting? God did it. And that wasn't enough. That's how it is so many times with us. That God tells us, okay, I'm going to reveal the next step in your life. Pastor Cole is going to talk about next steps at the end of the service today. I'm going to reveal the next step in your life, and God reveals it. And then we say, okay, God, now I want you to reveal it again. And then God shows us what we're supposed to do, and we say, God, are you sure that's what you want me to do? And Gideon is struggling with this follow-through. He's asking for answers. He rises up early the next morning. He rings the fleece out. There's a bowl full of water. Now, verse 39, you have to see the beauty of how God puts up with his creatures. Gideon says unto God, 
Let not thine anger be hot against me. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. I find this so curious, because you would think, uh, the way we've always been taught, if you question God, you're in for it. If you question God, things are going to go bad for you. And yet we find that when Abraham questioned God, he got the number down from 50 to 10 of the righteous people that had to be in Sodom. And when Gideon questioned God and said, God, is it for real? Show me. And then he said, could you show me again? I want to prove it again. And God did so that night. I think most people are either too lazy or too afraid to ask God for real answers. Gideon was neither. And God replied to his request, and God actually answered him. I said, Gideon, I'm going to confirm in you what I want to do. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do this little thing with the fleece, if that's important to you. You know, isn't it interesting? And it's so beautiful that God takes these little things that are important to our lives and he reveals them and he shows them and he opens doors for us. So beautiful. This, this past week, uh, things were hectic. Uh, I think it was uh, on Thursday, the day of the rehearsal, and uh, we were doing all sorts of stuff in the kitchen and uh, getting ready for a rehearsal dinner. And my father-in-law uh, went to get ice and he asked me for uh, change or something. And when he came back, he gave me a $10 bill. And uh, I had it in my pocket. And then I, I got a phone call or something. And later I, I thought, you know, I, I thought I had a $10 bill in my pocket. And I didn't have it. So I kind of looked around and I told a couple people in the house, you know what, I think I dropped a $10 bill. I don't know where. And uh, finally I called Autumn up because she knows how to find things. Yeah, she knows that stuff. And she's got it together. And so Autumn, she went on a hunt for the $10 bill. And I said, Autumn, if you will find the $10 bill, I will give you a reward. All right? I didn't tell her it was a nickel, but, uh, but we figured that out later. So that's how it was when I was growing up. My mom told us if we killed flies, she'd give us a reward. We didn't know it was a penny, okay? So, uh, but, but Autumn, she went outside, and she put on her best uh, a trailing suit, and she headed out, and she went in the yard, and she found my $10 bill. And she brought it back, and we got it all solved. Just a few minutes later, uh, Amy's dad walked in, and he said, I think I've lost the top of my razor, his electric razor. I must have dropped it in the garbage, and they went outside, and they fished through the garbage, and they took, we had like 18 bags of garbage, and they took them all out and checked each one, yeah, they couldn't find it. And he said, you know what, I've got to shave before the rehearsal dinner and, and the wedding tomorrow, and so I'm just going to go down and buy a razor. And uh, just when he was about to do that, Autumn said, you know what? Maybe the same mutt who took the money took your razor. <laughs> Could be. Maybe you dropped it on the floor. We don't know. And Autumn went out, and just beside the $10 bill, she found the top of his razor. And uh, she brought it back in the house. 
And it was, it was kind of neat because I'm still working. I, I was hearing all this. I didn't engineer it. I just kind of heard it. And I, I heard Amy's parents stop right in the kitchen next to me and pray to thank God for finding the top of a razor. And it made me think because Gideon, right? It's a fleece. It's a sheepskin. It doesn't mean anything to anybody else. But it meant something to him. And your fleece with God it may mean nothing to anyone else. It may mean nothing to the people who are skeptical of God in your life. It might not mean anything to other family members in your life. It may just be between you and your spouse. Maybe it's just you personally, where you come before God and say, God, I need answers on this in my life. And God answers you. And your faith is confirmed because you have come before him. And even though it was hard and there was a trial and there was a circumstance or an illness or a death in the family and you came before God and said, God, I need help with this. And the fleece was full. And the thing about our faith is, even though the fleece was full, maybe it still wasn't enough. And so you tried it again and, and God came through for you again. And when we ask for answers, God will give answers if we have this right spirit within us. And so he asked for answers. Then we get to Judges chapter 7, and they actually head out to battle. Gideon calls all the people early in the morning, and, and they leave all their tents, and they head out to go and fight the Midianites. And we take it up in verse number 2, chapter 7. The Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. To give the Midianites in, for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. So God says, Hey, Gideon, you have too many people in your army. Have you ever heard a general who's ever thought he had too many people in his army? God tells Gideon, you got too many people in your army. And Gideon is looking like he's got the scouting reports, and he's already heard that the Midianites down in the valley looked like the sand of the sea. That's how many of them there were. The estimate was there were 130,000. And now God says to Gideon, you've got too many people. And so God says, here's how we're going to handle it. Verse 3, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they return to the people 22,000. This is incredible. And here this guy Gideon is. He's not really a general, okay? He was out threshing wheat just a few days ago. He doesn't know anything about strategy. But I'm pretty sure he knows this. If 22,000 of your men walk off because they're afraid, things are not good. Right? You could call that low morale, maybe. Uh, maybe, perhaps. So 22,000 men listen to Gideon's speech, and they, uh, if anybody's afraid, uh, you just volunteer to go ahead and leave early and go home and eat steak. Oh, okay, I'll go. Right? If your boss came to, in the middle of work and I said, listen, if you just feel like you don't want to be here today, just go home. Right? How many of you would actually go home? 
This lady right here, she, her hand was up before I asked the question. Cynthia said, I'd be home. And that, that's what he's saying. If your heart's not in the battle, if you're afraid of the Midianites, you know what, if you have anything that's bothering you today, if you have a loose tooth or maybe you have a hangnail or you got a scratch on your leg when we were walking through the forest, just head on home. 22,000 men. 10,000 are left. That's all he's got. Verse 4. The Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Well, think of it this way. Gideon asked God twice to work on the fleece. And now God has come to him twice and said, you've got too many people. See, when we ask God to draw nigh to us and to reveal things to us, you know what God expects? That we'll follow through for him. God expects our faith to grow through the process and to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The people are yet too many. Bring them down in the water, and I will try them for thee there. God said, you know, Gideon, let's go down to the water. We're going to take a drink, and I will be the judge. I'll be the one to point out who's going to keep going and who's going to stay. And so they went down to the water. If you ever heard this story or read this story, uh, they're, they're going to go down to the water, and every person who laughed with his, his tongue like a dog, he went to one side. And everybody who put their hand in the water and drank out of their hand, they're going to go on the other side. And the number of them that put their hand to their mouth, that, that actually watched for the enemy while this was going on, and didn't just stick their head in the water and bury their head, the number was only 300 men. 9,700 men drank water the wrong way, and it got them disqualified from battle. Can you imagine this? It doesn't take much. They tell me that the moderate army is getting soft. They should check Gideon's army. Right? The first day he was general, he lost 99% of his men. It's never happened in history. There has never been a general who has taken his army out, even in the battle, and came back with 1% of his guys said, we're going to go to town now. Gideon, 300 men are left. That's all he's got. 9,700 are gone with the 22,000. And the number of them that laughed were 300. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that laughed, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go every man unto his place. Here's what we find in the third part of the message. Gideon was obedient in process. He was obedient in process. If Gideon had relied on his intellect, if he had relied on his own strength, of his own army, instead of the strength of God, he could not have defeated the Midianites. I'll tell you this. God can do more with your 1% than you can do with your 100%. God can do more with a sliver of what you think you need than he can with everything that you've wanted in your life. 
And so Gideon's here. He's got 300 men left. And he's being obedient to God. And he's following through. And the way that we get closer to God, there's only one way, through obedience. You know the old hymn, Trust and Obey? There's a lot of times where we have faith and we really believe and we get emotionally attached and we really want to follow God, but there's no obedience. And if we're not obedient, we don't ever get closer to God. And so Gideon experienced this thing of obedience that we all need to have in our lives, where he followed exactly what God had to say. And he did everything God asked him to do, obedient in process. I want to get down to verse number 9 as we finish up this morning. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hands. But if thou fear to, fear to go down, go thou as pure of thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterward shall thine hand be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then when he down with pure his servant under the outside of, his arm, of the armed men that were in the host. And here we find Gideon at another point where he needs some help. He needs a friend. Now look at where he's come from. He's threshing wheat beside the wine press. And the angel says, you're a mighty man of valor. You're going to lead my people. Gideon says, who, me? How's that going to happen? And uh, he goes and does the thing with his father's bullock and cuts down the trees. And, uh, and then he goes and uh, God says, okay, you're, you're ready to go. And Gideon said, can you do the fleece? And then can you do the fleece again? And then God says, you got too many men. And then you got too many men again. And now he's got 300 men. And God says, go look at the Midianite host. And uh, it's really telling what God tells him because he knows his heart really telling what God tells him. That makes sense, doesn't it? We use the same word in there twice and get you just where you understand that. And he, he gets down and he's, he's ready to go to the host and God says to him, Gideon, if you're afraid to go down, take Pura with you. That's Pura. And nobody's ever heard of him. He's a servant of Gideon. And I've always imagined that he's a big, strong guy. I've always imagined that he was a guy you could hide behind in a fight, okay? And, and Brent and I know what that's like. You're, when you get in a fight, you just get a Scott Watanabe right in front of you, okay? And you stand right there, let's go get him. Okay, so if you're afraid, take Fura with you. And the next verse tells us that he took Fura with him, which means that, yes, he was afraid. And here's what we learned from it. Leaning on Others. Leaning on others. The battle's close. Gideon needed some support. And God showed him that he could count on this guy, Fura. And there are times in your life where you're going to need somebody to support you. You're going to need somebody to bear your burdens. You're going to need somebody to pray with you and to stay with you and to, to be there, just to be present in your life while you go through a difficulty. So many of us, we try to portray this image that we don't need anybody, we don't need any help. But God said, 
you need help, take Purah. And Gideon was man enough to admit he needed help. He needed a friend. He needed a companion. He needed somebody to go with him. And he took Purah down to the host. And it's a great lesson for us in our faith that when we're supposed to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that God sometimes sends us friends who are people, not God, who need to walk with us on the way, who need to help us as we struggle through life and as we try to stay on God's path. We need sometimes people who will go with us. Today's big truth is this. When the God of heaven sends you and strengthens you, you are mighty in the battle. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. When God looks at Gideon, God says, look at that guy, he's a mighty man of valor. And everybody else looked at Gideon and they thought, what in the world? He's the guy out threshing wheat and his dad's an idol worshiper. And God chose him? You think of all the people Jesus chose. Right? He chooses a tax collector who's hated by everybody in the community. He chooses a fisherman and another fisherman and another fisherman and another fisherman. And if you've ever been around redneck fishermen, I mean, there's not much that has to be said here. Jesus chose fishermen to shape the world. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go this afternoon and drive down to Lake Lowell and walk on the dam and just observe and just listen for a while. And their deep talk is, what kind of bait you using on that? That's the deep stuff, right? It gets much more shallow than that. If you're a fisherman, I'm not dogging on you this morning, but I mean, Jesus, and even the people who are around him said, this is the biggest hillbillies ever. You're going to choose them to shape the world? And Jesus said, yeah, because it's not by might, and it's not by power, it's by my presence, saith the Lord. And I'm telling you Gideons out there, it's not about what you see in the mirror. It's about what God sees in you. And it's not about how strong you think you are, and how strong your friends think you are, and how strong your family thinks you are. It's about what God sees he can do in you through the power of Jesus Christ. That's why Gideon was strong. And that's our big truth for today. Here's today's faith challenge. Rise up in the face of fear and follow the path God has revealed for your life. See, Gideon was called and he was chosen, but he still had to go. He still had to follow through. And if Gideon hadn't gone up that first night in the middle of the night and taken his ten men and gone down and cut down all the trees and stolen the second bullock and sacrificed it on the altar, the story would have been much different. Gideon was willing to follow through. And there's something in your life that God's asking you to do that he's revealed for you to do. There's a next step that God wants you to take. And the only way you're going to move forward is to take it. There are so many people who are in God's family who are standing still in their Christian walk. 
They haven't moved for years. They haven't tried anything new for years. They're stuck in a rut. Every time change comes even close to their vicinity, they freak out. Like, oh, change, ah, worries me, scares me. I don't personally like change a whole lot. Our, our house changed a lot this week, right? We lost the two biggest eaters in our family. That's a good thing. Uh, we're going down two in male car insurance. That's a really good thing. Uh, and things are looking up, and I love Dawson, and I'm going to miss him, but I mean, hey. You were sitting on the deck last night, and Dawson said to me, Dad, are you glad I'm leaving? I said, that is the dumbest question I've ever heard. Why would I be glad you're leaving? Of course I am. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, I'm not glad you're leaving. I'm glad that you get to go and experience what you're going to do and work this summer and go to college and all the things you're going to do. But we're never glad that you're leaving. But it's a change that we go through. And I'm telling you that sometimes God has to take you away from everything you know, pull you out of it, out of that rut you're in, like Gideon, who's hiding, threshing wheat, and God yanked him over here and said, Gideon, if you want to follow me, forget everything you know and go and take that bullock and cut down those trees right now. And Gideon had to step up his faith. And he had to follow through. And there's a change that maybe God's bringing into your life that he's asking you to make and you've been unwilling. But God's saying, would you do it? And so there's a faith challenge for us today. In just a little while this morning, after the announcements, we're going to have a commitment prayer for our mission team to the Dominican. And I'm so proud of these folks because they are stepping outside of the norm. They're stepping outside of what's easy. And they're going to go a long way across the world there to an island where they've never been and reach out into communities, people they've never met, who speak a, a language that they don't speak, and it's going to take some faith and some follow-through, and we're going to have a commitment prayer with them in just a minute. If I could have, I just thought of this, uh, Jamie is in the nursery. If I could have a lady go and get her and just replace her for the last couple minutes so she could be part of that prayer. Thank you very much, Rose. Appreciate that. But I, I want to know what's in your life today. Because when we have the commitment prayer at the end, I want you not only to gather around them and to pray for them, but I want you to gather your heart around what God has for your life. What is it that God wants you to step out and do? And it's not by your talents. And it's not by your experiences. It's only by His power that you can be strong. Listen to these announcements and then I'll come right back.